Hello, it's Amanda. Welcome to The Art of Life. Today I want to delve a little bit more into my past and kind of talk about things that I have experienced, so stay tuned. So, to begin, I kind of wanted to tell a story. Um, when I was in high school, I went to a vocational school, and in the vocational school they had a veterinary lab. And I'm one of those weird chicks who had a pet rat. She was albino, so, you know, like, she had red eyes. Her name was Rosie. And she wanted to eat her wood chews so her teeth would grow too long. And she would have to get her teeth and nails trimmed. And I, the school would do it for free. So I'd bring Rosie to school with me. And I'd bring her a little baggie of treats. Like, she loved mini marshmallows. And, uh, I'd walk around school with a rat in my hood. I'd have my hood up and just have my pet rat chilling with me and uh yesterday one of my pet rats templeton rosie passed away about two three years ago um she lived to be about three years old which is pretty old for a rat and we got pip and templeton and pip is still alive and templeton passed away yesterday he was probably the biggest rat i've ever seen he was the size of my forearm, huge, um, but he passed away, and for the first time in my life, death hasn't affected me in the way that I thought it was going. Well, not, not that I thought it was going to affect me in any specific way, but it was like, I didn't exactly feel pain, I felt relief, and... I know that he lived a long life for a rat, filled with sweet potatoes, tortilla chips, everything that he enjoyed. He had a girlfriend, he had Pip, he had family, who knows how many babies he had. And here I am talking about the life of a rat, but it just shows how simple life is and how death isn't the end because life itself was the reason why death is worth it. And he might have lived three years, but those three years were filled with joy and happiness. And um, he got to experience life. And that's the way that I picture my life. I want to live every second as if I'm not sure when my last is going to be. Not that I'm afraid of death. Because, if anything, I welcome it. It's supposed to be the release, the final release that you get from the reward for living your life to the fullest. And if you lived it correctly, who knows? Who knows? Then I have theories. Specifically, I feel as though I know exactly what happens. But I'm not going to bring that up just yet because it's again it's just a theory these things don't exactly exist at least scientifically they're not proven um but ultimately I know that Templeton is now part of the collective universe he got to experience his little life and now he gets to experience the bigger thing the ocean of energy you know and I can't wait for that time to come. It's not that I'm, what like, beckoning death. It's that I'm 
I'm not waiting on it either, but I'm accepting of it. Because I know that I live every moment as if it's my last. So when I die, I'll die with no regrets. And this podcast, I kind of want to open up about myself so that I feel as though there's nothing hidden. And I hope that you guys relate to my story, find comfort in my, I I say suffering, but I don't mean suffering in a negative way, where it's like the idea of in order for a flower to grow, it must first go through rain, must first go through pain, you know, like we are the same way in order for us to grow we must go through the suffering the suffering suffering is nothing but a means to give us the opportunity to grow to change to evolve and that's i hope you find i guess advice you relate to my suffering my my pain and my strength Um, Today I wanted to delve a little bit into uh, the topic of death in my life. Death hasn't exactly been a big part of my life. As in, like, there hasn't been a lot of people who have died. But when it comes to death, I have had a hell of an experience with it. So, the first death ever was this woman named Thompson. Josephine Thompson. And she was this older black lady. I loved her. She was, like, the sweetest woman I had ever met. She was like a grandma. And she was my mom's boss. But my mom worked for her. She owned, like, a group home for older special needs adults. And my mom worked for her. And she took us in. And, like, I remember nights when my mom was having issues with the guy she was seeing that um, we would go over to her place and we'd just hang out with her and I'd play in the living room with all the games. It's kind of hard. She passed away probably when I was about 12. And when we, eh, yeah, probably about 12. Um, And her house used to be on this road in my town. It was a big greenhouse. They tore it down a couple years ago and it's kind of hard, like, driving past there because it's like her house used to be there (laughs) and you know I do miss her a lot but the hardest death was probably my stepfather and when if you had listened to one of my other episodes I can't exactly remember which one it is but I talk about um, my stepfather, and I also talk about some trauma that I had went through, some childhood trauma, um, and when I had opened up about everything, and I had told my mom when I was about 16, and they had started the court case against this guy and everything, my stepfather started coughing up blood, and I remember the first day he was coughing up blood. I came home from school, I walk in the door and Terry's sitting on the couch. He's got a blanket over him and he's like got a bunch of tissues and I'm like, are you okay? And he looks up, he just starts coughing like he can't breathe. And I look at the 
the tissue in his hand and there's blood in it and I'm like do you want me to call my mom he's like um I already did I was like no you need to go to the hospital he's like well your mom's coming and she's gonna take me and he went and they said he had pneumonia and he had like a tube in his lungs filtering fluid out he was on like a blood transfusion and everything and they kept going like they left let it go he spoke to oncologists and everything but they said that it was pneumonia it wasn't cancer and then about four or five months later it was not a very long amount of time um he goes in again this time they diagnosed him with stage four lung cancer so it was in his lymphatic system his stomach um everything like he was in the hospital for a while and he had he was on chemo but the chemo was just making him more sick than anything he asked to stop it and he asked to be put on hospice he was the man who had raised me so from age 10 to 17 he was the one who was there every single day you know like me and him didn't always get along we would get into fights I mean like legitimate fights to where there was like one time he had said something about one of my friends he got in my face uh pinned me with my throat up against the counter and I had pushed him into the table and this man was like in his 50s um but at the end of the day he was always there for me but I remember in school, I uh, I was sitting there in my lab, and my instructor comes up and he's like, hey, Amanda, the nurse called you down to her office, and the nurse never calls you down, you know, like, unless you requested it, or you have medication or something, the nurse isn't going to call you down, and I kind of, I had a feeling, and I went down there, and my mom was on the phone, and apparently he was in his, the last few stages of dying. So, like, he had the death rattles. He was unconscious. It was the day that he married my mom. But uh, it wasn't legal as he would not be able to sign a legal binding document. We went to the 22nd of October, 2014. I, had a, I was going to a concert with a friend of mine. And I had asked her, I was like, hey, you know, like, she lived right down the road from my house. I was like, can I go to my house and say goodbye to Terry, you know, just in case he passes while we're gone. And we were going to go see Blackville Brides, which, you know, for most of my childhood preteen years, the band, as cringy as people consider them, it helped me through a lot. And it was my first time ever seeing them live. And I walked back to the house I said my goodbyes to him and everything. Um, and then I left, went to the show. Concert was absolutely amazing. I mean, like, uh, I just, it was everything I thought it was going to be. And the song In the End, which is one of the songs that helped me through the majority of what we were going through with his death was the last song that they played which is they always play it but I needed to hear it and hearing it live was like it warmed my heart 
two days later, I'm at home. Everyone, my grandfather had just come. My grandfather and his girlfriend came to say goodbye to Terry. They live in Michigan. Uh, Terry was unconscious. Uh, his family came and was saying goodbye. His daughter was there, her husband, her like five children. And I was sitting there, I was uploading pictures onto Instagram from the concert. And I looked up and actually on my old Instagram, I was scrolling through like last week around the time and I see I saw the last picture that I posted the day that he died. Like the last picture that I posted seconds before I saw him take his last breath. It was probably 7.45 p.m. I was sitting there, I upload this picture and I look up. For some reason I got this feeling and I looked up and he had a hospital bed in our living room. I was sitting on the couch. Mind you, he's on hospice. I look up, his chest rises, like really deep breath. Then it falls and I'm just looking and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for him to take another breath. And I'm like, nothing's happening. Like he's not breathing. Am I just not like seeing it? So I'm waiting and I'm like looking at him waiting for that next breath. My mom had actually gone to the store to get toilet paper. And she says to get toilet paper of all things. I am like on the verge of a breakdown because I'm like, oh my goodness, like he's gone. And I walk over and I feel his pulse and there's no pulse. So I get my mom's friend, Miranda, who like was helping care for him. And like she checks and then she's like, he, he's gone. Call your mom. So I called my mom. My mom races home and they call hospice, hospice to come pick him up. His daughter comes in like... And I felt as though it wasn't my job to cry. Mind you that his his daughter may not be, she's older than I am. She's like, she has five, six children now, but um, Terry did not raise her. And I still felt as though it was not my job to cry because he's not my blood. He's not my true father, even though he raised me. And he helped me through, like, all of this. And she's banging on his chest, screaming, Dad, you can't be gone. Because it's her birthday. He passed away on her birthday. And he's banging on, she's banging on his, and the thing is, like, my, when my mom had called me about everything, she had said that the, that he'd be lucky to make it to the 24th, which is Janice's birthday, uh, his daughter's birthday. I didn't mean to say her name, but his daughter's birthday, and that's the day he passed away. So I almost, like, I knew that he, that was the day he was going to pass away. Um, she's, yeah, beating on his chest. He laid there until, like, 11 p.m. for four and a half hours. My mom, like, came home, went inside, saw him, walked outside, and just vomited, like, her car, somebody had to put her car in park because she didn't even put it in park. Like, she ran inside, and she laid next to him and just held him. And I didn't cry. My brother Brandon, who's, you know, special needs, he remembers the date, the time, the year, everything regarding Terry's death, but he didn't understand the death at the time. He had passed away on a Friday, and I went to school on a Monday. My brother, being special needs, is rides 
the bus. Um, and his bus aide is a kid I went to school with, his grandmother, and my brother, because they took him in an ambulance, my brother Brandon told uh, his bus aide that Terry went to the hospital. And the kid who hit the bus aide, grandmother of, or like grandson, whatever, I go to school on Monday, and I tell my teacher, I'm like, listen, I just wanted to let you know that my stepdad passed away on Friday, so if I slack off or anything like that happens, I just want to let you know that this is why, and the kid from the back of the classroom yells, you're fucking lying. And I'm like, like, truly think about that. I just said my stepfather, my dad, passed away, and you have the audacity to say I'm lying. And I, like, turned around, and I was like, excuse me? I was one of those people in school where I would, like, straight up, if you, I cannot stand disrespect, okay? And I was raised that way, to where, even though when I was young, I was a disrespectful preteen teenager, but as I've gotten older, I've realized that respect was, like, basically beaten into me. Not, like, physically sometimes. But respect was kind of hammered into my head where it's, I respect everyone until they give me a reason not to respect them. So, like, I meet a stranger, I respect them. They don't have to earn my respect, it's a given. This kid I'd known for years, and he had the, and in that moment, I lost all respect for him. I didn't care, like, that comment was so ridiculous, like, to even come out of his mouth. Like, after that, he was a walking pet peeve of mine. Everything he did pissed me off because of the one comment that he had made. I was, I got pulled out of the classroom um, by one of my friends because uh, my friend Caleb, he knew that I was going to, like, beat the fucking guy or something. And... I was just, I was, like, flabbergasted that the guy even had the audacity to say that. And, uh, I did not cry for, like, a year. But while he laid there, I witnessed the life leave his eyes, which was probably the hardest thing. It gave me nightmares to see gray eyes. To feel cold skin and just, like, he laid there. And I took him on a sheet, and then when they had the showing, he didn't even want a showing, we didn't want to spend money on it, they just had him laid out on a sheet in his pajamas, what he left in, and that was super hard, because it looked like he was, he was sleeping, he was already, he basically already looked dead alive, and he's just laid out on an Ohio State sheet in a funeral home, and that was hard for me, because it's like, I know he's not sleeping, but in my head, it felt as though he was sleeping, because he looked exactly the same, that's how sick he was, he was skin and bones when he was alive, to where the point that he's dead, I was unable to tell the difference, and in my head, it was like, I had built up this wall, where it's like, he's sleeping, he's in the hospital, man, he's sleeping, and it was like, I refused to cry, I had a Spotify playlist that I had called Bedtime Playlist, and around the time I told you Blackville Brides was, like, the band that was helping me through this, their music. They had just released an album, it was, like, Blackville Brides 5, 4, something like that. And 
they had on Spotify released the lead singer Andy doing spoken word of the album. And that's how I would fall asleep that night. There was no other way for me to fall asleep. And I lived numb like that for a pretty decent... And the night that he had died, I had told my boyfriend at the time, and he broke up with me and said that I was lying. So that was hard. And then... um, After that, you know, death was a little more common. A kid that I went to school with who we weren't exactly like the best of friends. We were definitely acquaintances. He was friends with the people that I was friends with and we went we were at a concert together and like hung out for a minute, but he ended up drowning not too long after all of this happened. And that was tough. The toughest thing was going to his showing and it wasn't seeing him but it was seeing his cap and gown because he never got to wear it. But death for me, the last thing that kind of sent me overboard was my current boyfriend, his mother, his grandmother's boyfriend was shot by the police in suicide by cop. That was hard for me. I barely knew him. I had probably met him once and it was at a funeral. And I was just surrounded by so much grief. All these people like just crying. And I didn't handle grief. I didn't handle death well. Um, None of it. So I decided what I needed to do was... I needed to figure out what happens after we die. And in the next episode, or impending episode, I'm going to talk about when I came to the conclusion of those answers. I hope you guys are connected. So, remember that you are light, you are love, you are divine, and I'm sending positive vibes your way. You have a wonderful day.